Welcome to Bright Spot, a podcast about the best practices for parents and clinicians who support teenagers going through mental health challenges while trying to manage school. Your hosts are Chris Schutzer, a school-based clinician in Massachusetts, and Lindsay Yamaguchi, also a school-based clinician in Massachusetts. In a dark time, we're here to help you find a bright spot. This podcast represents the opinions of the hosts and guests to the show Bright Spot. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Privacy is of utmost importance to us. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect patient confidentiality. If you or your child is in a crisis, please call 911 or visit your nearest emergency department. If you're not in immediate danger but would like to speak with someone, you can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. In this episode of Bright Spot, Chris and Lindsay discuss typical end-of-year considerations ranging from the paths for our senior classes to the best practices for bright students and families going into the summer. Enjoy and on to the show. Hey, Lindsay. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. It's the end of May. The school year is about to end. How about you? Yeah, the sun is shining. It's starting to warm up a little bit. It. I was just saying I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember when we did the podcast about what's your favorite month? What's your least favorite month? I told you my favorite month is June. I wasn't going to sugarcoat anything. June's my favorite. Yeah. So we're about to turn that calendar over. And also, I think I told you this, but we're about to get a puppy dog. I know. I'm a little freaked out, but I'm also pretty excited about it. So are you going to train it to be a therapy dog? Oh, you know, that's a good idea. (laughs) Bring Uh, it in to work with you. I would love to be able to do that, but I don't think I'll be able to sell that one. Who knows? (laughs) And also, I think that would make the dog kind of more mine than a family dog. And I don't know if that's going to fly in my family either. So I hear you. I hear you. That's so, exciting. Yeah. We're pretty jazzed about it. And then it's summertime. You have any exciting summer plans you want to share? Just doing some traveling and hopefully eating a lot of ice cream and enjoying not having to rush in the morning to get anywhere in particular. So I'm um, going to do a geography thing again here and I apologize to our listeners because we're so Massachusetts centric and we really try not to be but I'm going to go for it on this one you're not originally from this state does Massachusetts and the Northeast have the best ice cream in the United States of America Lindsay but I think we do I mean I think we have the most ice cream stores per capita for sure so I grew up in New York it's so much better here than it is there it's not even close (laughs) Yeah. I read somewhere that we eat more ice cream in Massachusetts than any other state. Even despite the fact that we have very cold winters, we're still eating ice cream, which I'm all for that. I'm into it. It is the best dessert. I mean, key lime pie might be close second, but like it's probably ice cream number one. Mm, Yes. I need my mint chocolate chip cone in the summer. Yeah. It's refreshing in so many ways. So there you go. Mm. I don't think our listeners want to hear us pontificate about it <laughs> too long, though. I know. I'm getting hungry. 
So we have a few things we wanted to do today. Listeners, I think this is going to be the last podcast of our school year. Um, We had planned to do one every month and we were looking at the no snow day calendar. And this is probably the last one that we're going to have time to record and edit. But spoiler alert, Lindsay and I are going to try to keep the podcast going next year. So there will be a season two. So listeners, we hope that you will enjoy that when the time comes. But for this calendar year, this school year, this will be the last one. Lindsay, we did it. We did it. I'm proud of us. And thank you for everyone who's tuned in. I hope you've learned something or something we've talked about has sparked a thought. And mostly, I hope you have not felt alone in whatever you're going through. Yeah, I've heard feedback from therapists, I've heard feedback from parents, and I've heard feedback from kids. So I actually think we're accomplishing our goals, and hopefully people will continue to find it useful. I want to echo your thanks to everybody, though, because this has been really fun for me. I think it's been fun for you, too, Lindsay. Definitely. But we really value the feedback that we get from folks, and just thank you for listening. It's important to us that it's finding its audience. We do have a topic for today, though, and it is exactly what I think our listeners would expect us to close with, which is the school year is ending, and that provides all kinds of transitions, and I think we want to talk about some of them today. I don't know when your school has the seniors leave. At at our school, the seniors leave about a month before everybody else. With the no snow days this year, it's a little bit shorter of a time on the back end after they go than usual, but... They're leaving this week. I thought maybe we could start just with a conversation about what it means to graduate high school. And I'm really specifically talking about seniors. So to parents and therapists and kids that are in middle school or freshman and sophomore and junior year, hang on, we're going to get to you too. But we wanted just to start with a little bit of like, what is school all about and get into those seniors for a minute. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that sounds good. And when I think our seniors actually... Their last day of classes was today. And when I think of any sort of life transition, like graduating high school, getting married, having a kid, right? Um, With any sort of life transition comes some sort of loss. So I think parents of seniors or seniors, if there are any seniors listening, Finishing high school is really exciting and it's not unusual to feel kind of sad or all sorts of ways about it. I just want to caveat this with however you're feeling is okay. Almost like some ambivalence. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing and what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You can have feelings of being excited about what comes next and also maybe some anxiety, maybe some fear, maybe some sadness, maybe some nostalgia. You know, I love that word. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk specifically about the fact that there's so many different transitions out of high school. It doesn't have to be college. It doesn't have to be a job. I mean, there's many different ways to move forward. Do you find where you're working that there's a a lot of pressure on kids to do one particular thing? I think it's complicated, right? Since I started it's become more common to have conversations with kids and to meet with families who are exploring different options other than college after high school, which is great. It's so refreshing to see that. And I think 
it still feels really hard to be a student who is going to do something different than college after school or after high school in the community I'm in. And I know all communities are different, but in general, I would say the expectation, the common expectation that people place on themselves is they are going to go to college. I think it's interesting because pop culture does the same thing. There's this expectation from the movies and television that, you know, okay, you finished here. Now you go on to the next thing and that's college. So there can be all sorts of implicit pressure that's put on kids. And I'm really thinking specifically around these transition programs, these bright programs. When kids are finishing here, they may not feel like a finished product. They may not feel like they're ready. And one thing that I have noticed that I'm curious to get your take on too Sometimes it's not great for kids to just keep on going from education to education. Like I look back on my own experience and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I think a lot about what I did and what I didn't do. In a perfect world, if I didn't get to disrupt the rest of my future, I would have loved to have worked for a year doing literally anything with my (laughs) hands where I could have tried something different and just gotten paid for it, where it's input in, input out. That's not how it works, is it? Input in, export out, I guess. Um, But yeah, so I show up, I do a good job, somebody pays me for it, I go home, I get my own time, I get to do what I want. There's no homework. If I hate it, I can quit. You know, just like a different experience on the world. I wish our kids got more of that. Yeah, I agree. You know, in another countries and other cultures, the transition looks really different after high school. I think sometimes students keep going on this path and they're not totally even sure why they're on the path and it can feel hard and really scary to like step off. But I've certainly had students and families who have explored a different choice than college after high school, like work, like you're talking about, or taking a gap year or taking a couple of classes at a community college and working before deciding where you want to be. You get to forge kind of your own path. It's such a financial commitment to keep going to college too. So if you're not sure, it can feel scary in so many directions, but that's one that I hear all the time. Like you really want to take on that kind of student debt for something you're not sure about. It feels pretty scary before you really have a good sense of why. I'm not a school counselor. My specialty and expertise is not in the college process. There are definitely experts at, at schools that that's their expertise. And I've had students who have been questioning whether or not college is the right decision for them. And they have gone through the process, applied to schools, done that whole thing, gotten into schools, while at the same time exploring other options. I would really encourage folks to gather a lot of information, to continue to apply to colleges, and then figure out as the time is getting closer to the end of the school year, what's going to be right for you. Many colleges offer deferment. So work with the people at, at school who have that expertise and don't be afraid to ask questions. Love it. 
And I agree. We're not school counselors. In fact, maybe next year I'm putting the, this in my head. We should bring on a school counselor to talk about this very issue because I think it's one where if we had a little bit more expertise, it would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I've noticed, though, is that when I ask kids and they're like, I'm not sure about college and it feels scary. And these two issues are kind of conflating where we started and where we are now. When you talk about a gap year, a lot of times kids aren't sure what they want to do. And sometimes this is really just a clinical counselor take on that. Like, why do we always need to know exactly what we're going to do? Like, I feel like in our lives, we always need that roadmap. But if there was ever a time to be lost and confused and to figure it out and explore, isn't that the time? Do a job you hate. Be like, all right, now I can't do a desk job. I know that. Or whatever it is that you learn, any experience is a good experience. Yes, I think to an extent, it takes a certain amount of privilege to be able to just sort of explore and have time to explore. So I think for some students, they don't have that luxury of not knowing what the plan is. I think if you do have that luxury, that's amazing. And that's wonderful. If you need to work, that could be a gap year. <laughs> you could take one class at a community college and work if there are financial constraints or if you have other responsibilities. I think when we talk, say gap year, we think of intense programs like traveling abroad or doing some very structured kind of program or maybe or internship where you're not making any money. But I've had students who have, you know, nannied for the year <laughs> but yeah. to give themselves some time to figure out what they need to do or what they want to do. Yeah. And I hope I wasn't given that impression because I'm with you. I think what I was saying was get a job for a year. Like I, to me, it's not a, didn't need to be a privileged thing, although I totally agree with you. And, and wouldn't that be great for a lot of our students? I'm thinking about what you brought up about some of the other countries and the apprenticeship model and like being able to try on a job and get paid for it and feel like, all right, now I learned that this is good for me or this is bad for me. And as I seek my next steps, now I have this extra bit of knowledge, but Yes, um, sure. For sure. Agreed. I wonder if we could pivot our conversation slightly to what this is like for the parents, though, because mm -hmm. so much of what we've done in this first season has been thinking about the experience and the alliance between a kid and their family and their caregivers. And in this case, I think when caregivers worry that their kid is not quite ready to leave the nest, that gives all kinds of feelings for the caregivers, too. Um, what a risk it is to be like, all right, we're done. Now what? You know? Yeah. I imagine that it feels just as scary for the parent um, when the post high school plan doesn't feel like it's a solid one or it's a different one than other people or other kids have. It makes me think of the episode we did around parenting the kid in front of you. I think you have to forget about what other people might do and don't compare and just really think about what is going to be best for your child, for their mental health, for their growth. And that could look like a lot of post high school things instead of college. And even if it is college, I mean, sometimes I think yeah. it can feel like quite a leap of faith to send your kid away, right? Mm -hmm. if they've experienced depression or anxiety or 
an eating disorder or some medical concerns. And now you've got a kid that's going to be starting somewhere else. And you've been such a backbone to their ability to balance their education and what they need to do on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes be the kick in the butt, let's be honest, where like the kid needs a little bit of a kick in the butt to do what it is that they're supposed to do. And now they're going to do it on their own. And that's scary. I just acknowledging all of this is so critical because our caregivers do so much for our kids. I almost like want to just stop and applaud them. I mean, seriously, our, our students are really lucky to have caregivers in their lives most of the time. Yeah. Something you said about parents are, are worried about their mental health needs in college just makes me think about what some of our families have done when their student has chosen and the family's on board that they're going to go to college after high school and that's the plan. There's a lot I think that kids and families can do to try to set students up for mental health, like managing their mental health in college. So some things that families have done are figure out continuity of care. So if your child has seen a therapist or a psychiatrist in the community, can they still see that person virtually? If they're far away, can they, if they're local, can they still meet with that person? And if not, are there resources at the counseling center and at the college or in the local community, wherever the college is? We've had families like reach out to counseling, the counseling center before their student starts college just to understand the services and maybe even take a tour of it. But really trying to set up some continuity of care has been helpful for students. And then I think as a family, figuring out together different checkpoints so that students feel like they are going to be able to be independent and you as a parent can have some sort of communication with your child. So some sort of communication plan, whatever that looks like for your family. Chris, do you have other things you would add when you've worked with seniors who are going off to college? I do a senior project and it's going to be an echo of a lot of what you just said, but it's actually about identifying how difficult to find some of the resources can be. And sometimes also envisioning that at the times that you need them are going to be the times that maybe you want to do that legwork the least, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm, I'm thinking specifically about symptoms of depression or anxiety. It's like, if you find yourself having difficulty getting out of bed, you're probably not going to want to go 18 websites deep into your college's resources to figure out what's the phone number to call if you're having the need to set up an appointment or maybe it's something different. Maybe actually it's thinking about, gosh, my freshman year roommate is not who I wanted it to be. And I'm, I'm going college here specifically on this for a second. And it's a nightmare and we're fighting every day and I'm starting to lose my mind because I can't manage, my room doesn't feel safe. Then what do you do? So with all of my seniors, regardless of whether it's college or somewhere else, we identify the resources that they're going to need. And then we put in one central email that we send to their email, all of these phone and websites that they could possibly use linked directly in one central email. So, I love that. And, and sometimes 
for families that need a little bit more financial support, we're also thinking about looking up what are the policies of the places that they are. So if you're staying in a town and then there's a social worker in the town, how do they get in contact with that person and what are the resources they might have? It's also about thinking in colleges. Sometimes colleges say, hey, we have free counseling. And what that actually means is we'll see you three times. And if it's more than that, then you're going to have to figure some stuff out. So I think knowing those things going in and understanding the policies can be kind of critical. But some of the other things that we look up, we'll look up, you know, resources for finding jobs and internships. We'll look up the hours of the gym because I think Lindsay and I have actually talked a lot in this first season about being outside and exercise and the value of those two things. Sometimes actually just giving yourself all the information you could possibly need on how you're going to do on those things can be helpful. We'll look up clubs. We'll look up when the clubs meet for kids that want to try out for a club or a singing group or something in the arts. We'll figure out when that's going to be and who they contact, that kind of work. It could just help bridge it. Like mm-hmm. I think the B of, of bright uh, bridge, right? We want kids to know how to get to where they're trying to go. And we want to make that as easy as possible. Yeah. I love that. And you're so right. When you're in the moment, not feeling great in the moment, it's almost impossible to do that kind of legwork. So having that in a central place is such a great idea. Yeah. So I'm going to use this as a pivot moment to say to the students that are graduating this year, or if you're going back and listening to this in a future year, congrats. It's a tremendous accomplishment, especially if you're a bright student and you've had to manage more. And I say it that way because I actually think strength is not the absence of problems. It's the ability to manage problems, right? It's the resilience factor. So give yourself a pat on the back. I'm going to do the second time on this podcast. I don't know how well it's going to translate. I'm applauding you guys like it's a fantastic (laughs) job. Hopefully that clapping wasn't too obnoxious. Should we talk about the ones who are sticking around? Yes, our ninth, 10th, and 11th graders. Yeah, even though kids in those grades are coming back, it's still an ending, it's still a transition. And so it can be worthwhile to help students reflect on that and think about what they want to take with them moving forward and what they want to let go of moving forward. So yeah, I'm curious, Chris, if you do any activities or you have any thoughts or experiences with students reflecting on what mental health lessons they've learned or different ways they've seen themselves grow. Yeah, I do think that there's a lot of ways to lend strength to future years. It's actually very similar just on a broader scale to the conversation that we had around the holiday season in December, when we were talking a little bit about write yourself a letter, remember the strength that it took to get back. And now are we envisioning that after a rest, it's going to come back and feel different. You talked in a different cast about how September is filled with hope. It is. And teachers also build in a slower start so that students can feel a little more successful and get their feet under them. But we all know what's coming. And so I think anticipating that, one of the things that bothers me as a professional, I love optimism, but I think students too often will say, you know what, blindly, next year is going to be different. It's going to be better. And I'm going to leave this one in the dust. And I always want to say, why? Like, yeah, we want this year to be over and the pain of it to be over, but you want to just pretend that you didn't have to be strong. 
you want to pretend that you don't know how to manage challenges if they come up again. I think that does such a disservice to the hard work of the kids that we're working with. Because what they do is miraculous. The, the efforts that they put in, the CBT lessons they take away, the DBT skills that they practice, the therapy relationships that they create, the hard work to get good grades, it's not for naught. They're learning skills that they can then put into practice in future years. Mm -hmm. And that's, so, yeah, right. that's where growth comes from hard times. Like if you think about a time that you've learned something, it's probably when something tough was going on in your life. Because when everything is going fine, yeah, you don't have to do that introspective work necessarily. I agree. I think it can be really useful, especially this time of year, as everybody wants it to be over, wants to head into summer, just take a minute, take a beat and think about things you're proud of yourself for. Think about how did I make it through this year? What did I do that helped me make it through some tough times? What lessons did you learn? Try to make some meaning out of the year. Um, I think that can really be a powerful exploration for teenagers. Some people like to be a little more visual about it. So you certainly can journal about that, but maybe you want to, I don't know, do a collage or something or use your drawing skills. Maybe you're an artist to think about things that you took away from this year and ways that you grew. I love it. You kind of pivoted a little bit there into the importance of maintaining our mental health strategies over the summer, like I thought with journaling and stuff. I always tell my students that are in therapeutic relationships, you talk to your therapist about this too, because um, as a therapeutic person in a school, I tell every family, the knock on having us as the central people is that we aren't there on the weekends and we're not there over the summers. And when your kid doesn't go to our school anymore, we're not there then either. But some of these therapeutic relationships, are, to your point from even thinking about our seniors, they go on. I, I like to think a little bit about over the summer, what are your therapeuticals? What do you do with your students, Lindsay, for when they are in the middle of something? How do you help them transition to the therapeutic work they need to do over the break? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, again, I think it's going to be, we talked about this on another podcast, but thinking about coping ahead, right? Summer is exciting and really fun. And it can also be the time where you can get some rest and kind of take a deep breath. And there's not this go, go, go pressure, which is wonderful. And not having a consistent schedule can be really hard. Maybe you're not seeing as many friends or people as you normally would during the school year. So I like to ask students to think about what they think is going to be maybe fun about the summer and what's going to be challenging. Because we're all for joy and we're all for relaxation. And it can be important to maintain some of the routines like some of the social routines, some of the sleep routines, some of the therapeutic relationships, maybe those sorts of routines. So we just ask students to cope ahead and to try to think about how they can build in, you know, routines that have helped them, like things that have helped them throughout the year, how to not let go of those things. 
Having a plan. I love it. Having a plan. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you're not going to plan out every single day of the summer, right? But in general, if I want to do this for myself too, you know, thinking about what makes me um, feel my best during the school year, like rest, certainly seeing people and having social interactions, getting outside, some sort of physical activity, like reading, and how am I going to build those things in into my summer in general? If I'm going to be sleeping in every day until noon, that probably won't allow me to build those things into my summer. So what's a more realistic sleep plan or how am I going to be able to make some plans with friends? Should I try to make some plans with friends now so that I know I'll have some um people that I'll be seeing and some interactions that will make me feel good. Stuff like that. I love it. Yeah. It makes sense. I think there is a population I want to make sure that we speak to today and also are careful about, because I think the end of the year is very joyous for most. There are students and families where the end of the year is quite dysregulating and maybe I almost think in the way that we're talking about it so far, we're saying that everything is tied in a bow and beautiful and wrapped and ready to go. Mm -hmm. Sometimes kids have a natural crisis that happens or something that's really challenging in May. And then the year sort of ends with a sputter and it can be really alarming and scary too, for some people. Mm -hmm. What would you say for the folks that have a more challenging end? Yeah, it's tricky, right? Because we, I think, as a society, we don't do well with uncertainty and we have all these images of things being wrapped up in a neat bow. And like you said, it doesn't always happen that way. I think the summertime can be actually a really great time for students to do more mental health treatment and work. And I say that for a couple of reasons. One, there may be more availability with treaters because it's summertime and students have more kind of time throughout the day, potentially. And then two, because the pressure of school is not there or, you know, activities and all the pressures that people feel throughout the school year are not there, most students tend to feel a little more relieved and a little bit better in the summer. So it can be a really good chance to talk about stuff, work through some stuff when you're not feeling totally overwhelmed and in crisis. So if the year is coming to an end and you're feeling still like you're still really struggling, I would really encourage folks to get into a routine of having some regular treatment over the summer and taking advantage of that if that's possible. I also think that if you are ending the year and feeling like things feel like a mess, really trying to lean into basics of taking care of yourself, right? And trying to set up maybe a little bit more of a structured schedule for yourself. Um, And I'm going to add one more thing and say, lean into your Bright program staff as Mm -hmm. well. 
-hmm. because chances are, if you're thinking this as a student or as a caregiver, there's a pretty good chance that the program staff has been through that before. And maybe they're also a little concerned about how to help the kid do the best possible transition into the summer and then back into school the next year. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's different for every school, different for every bright program. Your student may start the next year in the bright program still. Um, They may not. It depends, right? They may find, maybe it's actually thinking about what resources do we need to get off to a clean start the following year. So this kind of links back many of the conversations, but I do like to have those capstone meetings with families whenever appropriate, just to sit down and be like, all right, what are our successes? What are the things that we think can still continue to go better? How can we help our kid to do the best possible? Yeah. Um, And if your school community doesn't have a bright program, this is a brief conversation as a family you all can have. And it, you could keep coming back to it. You don't need to sit down for hours and hours, but it could be as simple as saying to your child, like, okay, summer's coming. What things are you feeling worried about over the summer? What are you feeling excited about? Let's think about what your days are going to look like and what structure we can build in that gives you a break, but also gives you things that you can regularly count on doing each day. And maybe for some students, that's like a job. Maybe for other students, that's going to a camp or doing chores around the house every every week or making sure that they're meeting up with a friend twice a week, whatever it is. I think to be intentional about how you structure the summer and to start having conversations as a family about it can be really useful. You can even take out a calendar if your child is more of a visual learner and you mark off the days where maybe you're on vacation as a family or traveling, then you mark off the days when they're, you know, doing other things so that your child knows what's coming. And then also if they have goals for the summer, you could write those down as well. Yeah. Lindsay, I think we've done a pretty good roundabout on the students on the end of the year. What about for staff? I'm just thinking a little bit about how important it is for us. And I'm thinking we do talk about how this can be for new clinicians too. Um, I'm just going to take a moment and say, I like to fully check out, right? I do with respect to my students and my families, I think about you, but I also need my me time. And I think when I walk away, it can be important. This is a good life lesson for the students too. You got to find your balance. And so like whatever the activities are where you can leave it behind a little bit, like it's important too. I just thought it was worth saying really quick, just yeah. for a moment. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Find your self-care. I know we use that phrase too much, but I really do think whatever it is. No, but you're right. I mean, rest sort of means different things to different people. And if you find rest in the summer by totally checking out and stepping away from work, that's okay. You know, you want to think about what's going to make you feel energized and refreshed. So whatever that looks like is great. Um, But I do think for staff of Bright Programs, even parents can do this too. Think about the year, reflect for a minute on the year, think about some things you're proud of that you did because we can tend to focus on the negative and beat ourselves up a lot, but really take some time to think about things you did that you're proud of 
and things that you want to keep working on next year in terms of your program or your parenting or whatever. And then, yeah, use summer for how you need to use it. <laughs> well, I think in that vein, I, I'm going to echo it again. I'm proud of all of our students. I actually, I, I don't love using the word pride because I think it almost implies like it's ours. I actually think the students should be proud of themselves. The family should be proud of themselves. Caregivers, be proud of yourself. It takes a lot of hard work to get to where you're going and all the challenges you have to navigate. So um, I want to give us a chance to tie this up and end here, but I do hope as our year ends that folks really do have a sense of accomplishment. One of my least favorite things about high school is that we, at least here, we end with exams and it just peters out. It's like all of a sudden there is no formal capstone the way that I crave a way to just be like, hey, this is our last day. Let's talk about that. Some teachers are able to do it, but a lot of schools, it's just like, hey, school's out for summer. They play the song and boom, you're gone. So just wanted to give us that chance. Yeah, I think it's nice to stop and pause and reflect a little bit, Chris, because those are things that will help us keep growing as people as students, as parents, as clinicians. So I agree. I think it's definitely worth it to take a beat and to, yes, be excited for summer and be excited for all that's to come over the summer and the relaxation and all that. And take stock of kind of what you did throughout the school year, what you're proud of, what maybe you wish was different and, and do a little reflection so that you can kind of think about what your priorities are next year, I guess. And keep growing because that's all we can do, right? Agreed. <laughs> like keep trying to keep trying to grow. Yeah. So do you have anything else to, or you think we should sum up here? Let our listeners go. No, I mean, other than just like enjoy, try to find some joy this summer because that can be really healing and restoring. Totally. No. Uh, yeah. Actually, Chris, you yes. might have said this at the beginning. What's one thing you're proud of from this year? Uh, in addition to this podcast? I want to come up with a good one today. I am proud of the work with a lot of the students. I'm going to go vague. I'm sorry. But there have been some new types of cases for me that every year brings new freshness, but every year you get challenged with something that's totally new. And I have been proud of my commitment and my ability to work with my students and their families. I know that's cheesy, but that's, that's my answer. How about you? Cheesy. I am also very proud of this podcast and the fact that we stuck with it. And yeah, I'm proud of that. Yeah. All right, listeners, we will speak to you again in September. But until then, enjoy the rest. Enjoy the sunlight in the summer and have a good break. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Each podcast, we end Bright Spot with 15 seconds for you, our listeners, to take a few deep breaths. It's so important, and we know that we all need to make time for it. Get comfortable. We're going to try it now. If you're driving, do not close your eyes. 
In just a moment, I'm going to stop speaking and go radio silent for about 15 seconds. I'll let you know when we're done. Here we go. Until next time, take care.